Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is our podcast series, SAP's podcast series about the difference that open source can be. And in each episode, we'll talk with experts about open source and why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hohage, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to Nell Shamrell Harrington from Microsoft, tada, about clearly defined and possibly some more things. Also with us uh, to add even more things is Sebastian Wolf from the SAP Open Source Program Office. You may remember him from a couple of previous episodes. Hi, Nell. Hi, Sebastian. Great to have you here. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Hi there. Happy to be here as well. Great. Um, Sebastian, as I said, is from SAP's OSPO. I've introduced him a couple of times, I think. Nell Shamrell Harrington. On the other hand, I have never introduced so far. She's a software engineer, a writer, and a speaker. And she happens to be a principal software engineer at Microsoft in the Azure office of the CTO, if I'm informed correctly. Uh, she's also a former lead engineer on the Clearly Defined project and is also on the board of directors of the Rust Foundation. You may recall our episode about Rust from July 2021. If you don't, go back there and listen to it. And uh, that means uh, Nell is probably, at least to quite a few people out there in the open source world, a known name. But before we start, we plan to air this on May 25th. To me, that is towel day. So all you hitchhikers out there, be greeted. Nell, does towel day uh, mean anything to you or what does May 25th mean to you? Well, May 25th happens to be my ninth wedding anniversary. So it means quite a bit to me. Uh, my wife and I will be celebrating together. Wow, but probably not by going hitchhiking anywhere, right? Probably not. It's it's not not the safest thing to do. Okay, okay, I imagine so. Um, as I just said, you used to be or are just in transition away from uh, being mainly responsible for clearly defined. You will be uh, still working on open source and with Microsoft in the future still. Um, but you will turn your attention more to the open source supply chain security. So what should we start with, past or future? You know, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what Clearly Defined is. Clearly Defined is very focused on open source license compliance. Uh, that is what I started work, work on when I first came to Microsoft and until recently I led engineering on. While supply chain security is more focused on knowing all the open source dependencies of your software, verifying that they are what they say they are, that they come from where they say that they come from, and that they don't contain anything malicious. So it's similar. It's it's mapping out your web of open source dependencies, but now I'm having more of a focus on security rather than license compliance. Okay, and I get that right. Clearly defined is more about the compliance of licenses, so like on the legal and business compliance side, and while uh, the open source supply chain security is more on the on the actual technical on the code side. Are you more like the the license or more the coding person now? 
Well, I am an engineer by trade rather than a lawyer, though my wife, who I mentioned earlier, is a lawyer. Uh, but I am very much more focused on the code side. As the world of open source has changed and become more complex, I've taken a great interest in figuring out how do you ensure how that this so open source software you both use and create is done so in a secure way. Let's maybe do it chronologically anyway, even though you just said uh, you're more of a code person actually by trade or an engineer by trade. Uh, so let's start with past and go to future. Um, what exactly, uh, just for those who might listen who don't know, is clearly defined all about again? Clearly Defined is a central data store for all open source licenses across many different open source ecosystems. I think last time we checked, we had license definitions for over 14 million uh, pieces of open source code. Uh, it crawls these ecosystems, harvests the license, license information from the package manager, the code repository, et cetera, verifies that the text of the license uh, is consistent with the license that the software is supposed to be, and then it stores this information in a central place with a public API. So anyone, Microsoft uses it, I know SAP does as well, can use this public API with their compliance systems to make sure that the licenses on any open source software they use are compliant with the way you intend to use them. All right, so it's basically if you want to call it like that, three tier, it's the harvesters, it's the store, and it's the API to make things accessible. Would that kind of roughly describe it? Yeah, that, that's a good rough, rough de description. So now of that project, both SAP and Microsoft are members, right? Have there, have there been many touch points in Clearly Defined between Microsoft and SAP directly? Quite a few. Uh, SAP employees have been really helpful contributors to the community. Uh, Sebastian, who's on the podcast with us, and Ching Tomlinson have contributed code. Brian Duran and others have contributed license curations to the data store. And SAP and Microsoft also did a webinar on Clearly Defined together. Sebastian, I'm sure you can give the compliment back to Microsoft, right? Of course, of course I can. So it was really, really, uh, yeah, very nice to, to work with you now. Also, actually, uh, this, this webinar that we did together was actually the Kickstarter for me to contribute code back to clearly defined. So I, I didn't have the idea beforehand. So, um, I, I saw only, okay, well, uh, there's something what I'm currently working on that might be missing in clearly defined. And then I had a look take a look at the, the code, at the documentation, which is really nice, uh, set it up on my local machine and get things going. Yeah, so that, that was really, really cool from my perspective. Sounds like open source is supposed to work, right? Mm -hmm. As you mentioned the webinar, uh, we have to make sure, of course, uh, that we have the link with the information accompanying the uh, podcast when we publish it. Um, next question, though. As large corporations, um, would you say Microsoft and SAP have similar roles in Clearly Defined, or do they differ quite a bit? 
I would say the way we use Clearly Defined as consumers of it is very, very similar. Uh, we build a lot of software that pulls in a lot of open source dependencies, and we have to know that the license on those dependencies is consistent with the way we want to use it. Uh, I imagine neither SAP or Microsoft wants to pull in something where the license, let's say, prohibits the dependency from being used in a commercial distribution of something. We do produce a lot of commercial software. Uh, that, that's one of the reasons our companies exist. So it is very similar in that we want to be good open source citizens and make sure we're using the open source we use in the correct way. Okay, so you're saying as our use as consumers is similar, we probably have this or at least similar focus of what we would like to see in Clearly Defined and what we contribute. Is that right? I believe so, yes. Okay, okay. Now, for all I know, Clearly Defined is a little bit subdivided or used to be. I'm, I'm not sure. I think mostly it's come down to licenses, but... Uh, there are the sub-projects clearly described, clearly licensed, and clearly secure. Uh, are these all still around? or These were these sub-categories came about at the very beginning of the Clearly Defined project, which was before I was working, at, working on it. And I know there's been some intent to explore all of these, but licensing has been the main focus of the Clearly Defined project. Though in the... As, as mentioned before, in the past, we've looked at ways of expanding it, and we might see that expansion at some point in the future. Clearly Secure goes more into the direction of what I'll be doing in the future, which is focusing on open source supply chain security. All right, we'll come to that in a few minutes, I guess. Um, let's stick for a moment longer with Clearly Defined. Um, is that uh, basically, uh, does Clearly Defined only use project-owned, basically homegrown services, or does it also call others from completely different, also community projects or even proprietary ones? I don't know. Uh, we do use three services for harvesting license information. One is our own homegrown, home-coded one, but we also use two other open source license scanning tools to get more data. Uh, one of those is ScanCode, uh, which uh, is a, a Python project, I believe, and then Licensee, which is written in Ruby. We use all three of those and then uh, pull together all that information and see what's consistent, what's not, see if uh, one of the scanners picked up something the other ones didn't, etc. So we use two community projects and then one of our own uh, community projects, if you will. Okay, just one additional question on these. Are these basically sort of like specialized crawlers or how would you go uh, and put it that way or what do they do these? They do crawl the source repositories, yes. And they also crawl the package managers and pull license information on, from there. So you, you could call them that, I believe. Okay, licensed specialized crawlers basically, right? Okay. Um, there seems to be another relationship that I only briefly touched when I was, I was looking at the web. Uh, that's with uh, SPDX what's what's that and 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 how does clearly defined use it or what are the differences I, I don't know what the relationship exactly is 
Right. SPDX, it's a few things, but one of the main thing that clearly Define uses them for is they have a list of identifiers for standard software licenses. So one of the most well-known is Apache 2.0 or maybe the MIT license. Clearly Define only recognizes licenses that have an SPDX identifier. Uh, you can make up your own license however you want to, and there's been some controversy about that in the past few years, but we, we clearly define only recognizes the licenses that one, have an SPDX identifier. Two, we scan the license text in the repository or associated with the project and make sure that the license text in the project is the same as the license text that's associated with that identifier. So when we say a piece of software's license is clearly defined, we mean there is an identifier and the license text included with the software is the same as the license text you'll find when you go to the SPDX site. Okay, well, it probably before I'd even get to coding anything, being a non-coder, I'd be lost in this entire license topic uh, after what you're explaining here. Um, anyway, let's uh, be, just because of that, not drill too much further into that and maybe uh, take it up to the to, to the larger perspective there for a second. Um, now, if we look 20 years back or something, uh, open source was still, almost like to say something evil. Um, at SAP, this attitude has changed. At Microsoft and at many other large corporations, this attitude has changed. Um, what was it that changed Microsoft's attitude towards open source? Well, it's no secret that in the past, Microsoft had a tense relationship. I honestly would call it a toxic relationship. That's me speaking from my personal viewpoint with open source. And anytime I mention Microsoft and open source on Twitter or Reddit, uh, a lot of people bring up a lot of quotes from 15 years ago. However, we have shown through our actions that we've transformed our relationship with both open source and the open source community. And frankly, it's better business to be building at least some of our software in the open and using open source software and contributing back to it. Now, we do use it extensively within Microsoft, and we use Clearly Defined to ensure that those licenses are consistent with the way we'll be using it. But we also know that it's not enough just to use open source we need to be good citizens and contribute back to it. Now, part of this is through donating money to open source foundations like the Linux Foundation, Rust Foundation, and many others. But along with giving Microsoft's money, we also need to give our time and talent. Uh, Microsoft employs some of the best engineers, some of the best product and program managers and community managers in the world. There is a lot to offer when it comes to expertise in building software, building communities. So if you, any of your listeners are interested in learning more about Microsoft's relationship with open source, uh, head on over to opensource.microsoft.com. And I'm sure that link will be included in the notes. Okay. Um, so, Sebastian, um how about at SAP? Uh, as I just said before, with SAP, it was quite similar. I don't know. I still remember when we wanted to use Python, uh, we had to buy some uh, some distributor package, and it was a big pain uh, with uh, with the legal department and with the support colleagues who wanted to have their I don't know forty page support amendment signed uh, and everything uh, before we were allowed to use anything. What's changed at SAP? Yeah, sure, that's. Absolutely true. And all I also remember these days, uh, really, really complicated. 
And yeah, everything comes down also to the fact that SAP is simply a company um, that makes its money on uh, selling software and services. There's a reason for that. And yeah, SAP, um, we've, we've gone through a pretty similar development, of course. So we, we may have started a little earlier with uh, yeah, becoming actually um, a founding member of the Eclipse Foundation back in 2004. So we were already active with community engagements and similar things. But both the consumption, so that was what you are referring to, but also contributions to open source were really, really complicated back in these days. But uh, things have improved considerably, of course. And today we are using 10,000s of open source components in our products uh, and services. And that was, was what Nell already said. Um, we are not only consuming, we are also contributing uh, to prominent open source projects. And there are, of course, several examples to that. Uh, for example, the Java ecosystem with uh, contributions to OpenJDK and our own distribution with Submachine or the uh, Kubernetes Orchestrator Gardener, just to name a few, right? And uh, yeah, on the other side, especially in, in consuming open source projects, licenses still play an important role and uh, we still need to pay attention to the, the details. Um, that's also a reason why we are using clearly defined in our internal processes, right? And that's where things come together. So we, we classify our things or the, the products and components we are using from uh, open source side in, in three different risk categories, low, medium, and high, depending on potentially negative impact for our business. And we need proper tools to assess that. And um, yeah, that's where clearly defined plays an important role. And um, also for our contributions, these licenses are really important. And there we also still need to pay close attention. And that's where we also are good citizens. And therefore, we also only apply low-risk licenses under normal circumstances like Apache 2.0, MIT, for our own open source projects. So... In the end, we've become much more open towards open source, um, especially in the past few years. Um, but of course, and we need to balance risks and opportunities very well. So, yeah, that's basically it from our side. As you mentioned, both sides now, the on the one hand, the, we have to be sure about licenses when we're using it. And on the other hand, also when we're contributing to um in the past, what was harder to overcome and also in the present, what is still for large companies as SAP and Microsoft the bigger risk? Is it more the the sharing code that we generate with an open source community or is it more the shipping open source code with its different types of service level agreements and so on to customers? Maybe Sebastian again first. Yeah, so... Uh from my perspective, it would certainly depend on whom you ask um, and also on the respective circumstances at the moment, what uh, they would they would answer, because uh, especially in times of uh, these uh, security vulnerabilities, people would potentially answer that uh, using and distributing uh, software with open source components is really a challenge. Um, but uh, on the other side, also um, many, many people would still say that contributing is the more complicated thing um, because SAP, as mentioned, is still a company that makes uh, its money on, on uh, selling software services um, and, and similar things. 
So, um, and many, many people in the company thought and are still thinking that uh, we might give away critical intellectual property to competitors. Yeah. If we publish software as open source. Yeah. So, um, on the other side, um, there's also a pretty interesting fact, um, within the company and also in the whole SAP ecosystem that uh, one of the key success drivers of SAP in the past up till now and potentially long in the future is the ABAP ecosystem uh, and everything around it. And that wouldn't be there from my personal feeling um, if the customers haven't had access to the source code and if they weren't be able to modify it. Yeah. So it's, it's technically not an open source license that uh, the ABAP ecosystem is working in, uh, but it's more or less some kind of shared source as you need a commercial license from SAP. But it clearly shows, from my perspective, uh, the power of a more liberal approach towards source code. Yeah. And um, that's also one foundation which we keep on using and leveraging to spread the word about the benefits of open source. And uh, we clearly see the tangible results already. So both the consumption and contribution statistics of the recent years show clearly that the idea of open source has gained a lot of traction within SAP. And we as open source program office are, of course, uh, yeah, here and responsible uh, to, to keep things going here. Thanks, Sebastian. Uh, so, so much uh, from SAP side. Now, on Microsoft side, um, was the bigger obstacle in the past rather the sharing on IP or the using the stuff from the wild rebels that join up in communities out there on the net? Uh, there historically was anxiety about both. There's still little pockets of anxiety about both in Microsoft. How we address the uh, you know anxiety people have of you know using a piece of open source software that's downloaded from the internet uh, is we have a lot of automated tools, some of which download the source code and rebuild it, and then we run scans on it. Uh, some of them check any open source dependency someone pulls into a Microsoft project. Uh, verifies is there are there any known CVEs or other vulnerabilities associated with this version of the software? If there is, it breaks the build. And we also have that automated license uh, checking compliance. So we've built a lot of automated tools to help people feel more secure in using open source software and be more secure in using open source software. As far as intellectual property, uh, that is a question I get often from people who are very new to open source is, well, if we put some of Microsoft's code up on GitHub, what's to stop you know, fill in a Microsoft competitor uh, from taking that code and using it and making money from it. And my answer to that is, so Microsoft does not open source all of its code. It open source sources some of it. A lot of the critical intellectual property is still kept closed source. I, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who think we should open source everything, and there are probably you know fewer, but some people who think we should inner source everything. It has to be a mix of both. What we have found is through open sourcing things like Visual Studio Code, uh, Azure SDK, software developer kits, the more people engage with our open source projects, modify them, contribute to them, connect with the community around them. I mean, if you look at it from purely a business perspective, 
the more likely they've engaged with us in the past, the more likely they are to consider things like Azure for their cloud computing needs in the future and for other things. So yes, that's a kind of capitalistic business viewpoint of it, but Microsoft is a for-profit company. That is one of the benefits and uh also, you know, the goodwill benefits as well. And our software improves by other people engaging with us. I was just thinking a couple of sentences before already. The rest is politics and we don't want to get into that because capitalistic. I mean, some people think even supermarkets and all the goods in them should be open sourced and others uh, think, no, they shouldn't. Uh, but that's politics, as I said, uh, and this is not the sense of this podcast. So let's rather turn to your future before we run out of time here. Uh, open source supply chain security. Um, can you give us the pitch and abstract about what that is? Sure. So I used to say everyone uses open source software now, whether they realize it or not. Now I say everyone uses a very complex web of open source software, dependencies of dependencies of dependencies, whether they realize it or not. Now, if one node in that really complex web is compromised, uh, someone uploads something malicious to it, or it disappears from the internet suddenly, I've had that happen, uh, that can compromise every piece of software that depends on it. And it might not even be a direct dependency, but a dependency of a dependency. So open source supply chain security is a way of ensuring the security and integrity of every node in your dependency chain. And we are working on solutions for this. We are working on prototypes for it. It is not a solved problem by any means. We're still in the early stages, but it's an immensely important one to make progress on. Okay. So would I, like, just from the concepts, imagine that correctly, that one part of it is in the first place like kind of mapping out the dependencies successfully between all these components that are not really yours, but they're open source from the wild rebels out there on the web, as I called them before. Um, and, uh, and the other part then is kind of like built in, how do you call it, the places in the woods where there are no trees uh, in English? Um, to, to, uh, Clearings? Uh, no, the barriers against fire. Oh, Okay. I don't know the word, but I'm following you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, at least I, I don't know. In European forests, you every like every mile or so, you have this uh, the these ten yards or something that that are cleared of trees as like this sort of like this tree-free highway through the forest, so the the fire doesn't get any more fuel uh, along that stretch. Um, no. Anyway. Uh, so and then the next level would be thinking about kind of building these firewalls uh, into your dependency so that not everything gets corrupted if something is corrupted? Would that also be part of it? Or is that, again, different? Be in the future, but at the moment it's focused on mapping out the web of dependencies and verifying those dependencies are what they say they are and they came from where they said they are. So we're, that, that, that's where we are right now at the very beginning, but I could see something like that in the future. Okay, but at first it's more analyzing the interconnectedness and, and I don't know, evaluating your risk uh, that is connected to that. And building tools to do that automatically because there's no way to do that by hand anymore uh, with hundreds of thousands of dependencies. Okay, I see. Now, 
With that, sorry that we touched that future of yours only briefly and dwelled mostly on the past, uh, but it's always easier to talk about the past because that's already happened. <laughs> um, and uh, with that, we are reaching our famous final two questions. The first of those final two questions is always, uh, if people got interested and want to learn more about Clearly Defined or about open source supply chain security, where would you send them? Sure. For Clearly Define, I'd say head on over to docs.clearlydefined.io slash get involved. And I'm sure the link uh, will be in the show notes. For open source supply chain security, we're still at the beginnings of it. But a project I'm currently working on in this space is called Gitbomb. That's G-I-T-B-O-M. And you can head on over to gitbomb.dev to learn more about it. And I bet Microsoft has also a prominent page uh, talking about Microsoft's open source engagement in general, right? Uh, Opensource.microsoft.com. I believe that's the URL. And it's that will probably be the easiest to Google of all the URLs. Absolutely. Okay, great. Thanks. And then finally, um, if you could make a wish, which two to three main points our listeners should take away from our talk today, what would they be? They would be that the dream of open source from the 90s and the early 2000s, that's the time I was starting to get into open source, that dream has largely been realized. Nearly every corporation, every government, every educational institution is using open source software, and many of them are contributing back to that open source software. So the dream came true, we won, and now the struggle is figuring out what comes next. And a lot of that involves you know, understanding how do we use open source software in a responsible way. And that's why things like license compliance and open source supply chain security are so important. So you're saying those people who I call the rebels out there on the net won. And if I remember correctly from Star Wars, it's good when the rebels win. Generally, yes. And then they had to figure out what came next too. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So, uh, Sebastian, do you have anything to add to the takeaways? No, I can only support that because it was also the same time when I started with open source. I think my first Linux installation that I did was in 98 or something like that. So yeah, really an incredible journey we've been through over the last two decades, I would say. Yeah. Great. So we're all agreed on that. Uh, thank you very much, Nell, for being our guest today. And thank you, Sebastian, for joining as well. Um, we're saying bye-bye at this point before I come to my final words. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here today. Thank you very much as well. Once again, pleasure to be here. All right, Sebastian, I'm sure we'll meet again in the office or in this podcast. And thank you all for listening to The Open Source Way. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and don't miss the next one. Um, we publish every last Wednesday of the month and you'll find us on OpenSAP and all those places where you usually find your podcasts like, I don't know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you prefer. Thanks again for listening and goodbye and have a happy rest of Towel Day. Bye-bye.